Do you have your Bibles? If you do, open it up to Malachi or Malachi, depending on how you like to read words. Malachi, chapter number 3. It's the last book in the Old Testament, uh, uh, or the preview to the New Testament, if you will. But Malachi, chapter number 3. And if you've got a marker of some kind, then Mark Second Chronicles, chapter number 31. Second Chronicles, chapter number 31 as well. All month long, we've been teaching on the series called Blessed Indeed. We can all now agree, if, you, if you've been here, uh, we can all now agree that God is in the blessing business when it comes to His people. He certainly didn't save you from sin, death, hell, and the grave to make your life miserable. That's not His M.O. That's not His modus operandi. It's actually the opposite. He loves you in the same way that a good father looks at their children and wants to bless them. That's what our Father wants to do with us. But oftentimes, uh, we find out that He has principles that we ought to follow. And I'm going to bring apart, I'm going to bring out today, uh, probably the most important message you can hear for your family. Uh, subsequent to being born again, subsequent to understanding what it means to be spirit-filled, subsequent to, subsequent to uh, uh, the eternal life aspect of the kingdom. But with regards to day-to-day life and your family getting uh, uh, through this thing we call the world uh, without being beat up by the devil, this is probably the most important message uh, you could hear for your family and for your future and your offspring. Uh, the title of this message is called The Blessed Test. The blessed test. You have a note, uh, notebook or, or whatever you're taking notes with. Uh, you might want to jot that down. There's going to be a few notes that I think will be very important to you. I uh, also want to just mention right off the bat, I'm a, I'm a student. I've been a student my whole life of, of different areas and uh, uh, primarily the Word of God. Uh, I have uh, constantly uh, studied for as long as I can remember. I went through uh, a very long amount of time where I got rid of uh, all internet and cable and, 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 well, the internet wasn't as popular then, but anyway, no phones or anything like that. And all I would do was just work, go to school, and study my scripture. Uh, I have cliff notes on every chapter of the Bible, save a few chapters in the beginning of the Old Testament. For example, like in Numbers where it's begat this and begat that. I didn't think it was important to, to, to make notes on those things. It's just a chronological order and, and chronicles and whatnot. Uh, I'm an engineer. Uh, I'm the first person in my family to get a college education. My younger brother uh, followed suit, went to my alma mater, and is also an engineer. My wife and I have started businesses, bought businesses, sold businesses, and even right now own businesses that are very successful. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the field. We are blessed coming in. We are blessed going out. I'm a third-generation preacher. I'm a third-generation entrepreneur. So when I teach on being blessed, I am very well versed on being blessed. I have never uh, gone without. Uh, I got out of college, and my wife and I, uh, I had a job. I held a job for six weeks. And then after that, we've been entrepreneurs ever since, uh, contracting here and contracting there and different things. Uh, The Lord has just equipped us. Uh, Financially, we're blessed. We're blessed in our health. You can see my children and see that my children are blessed. So I'm very well versed on the concept of the blessings of God. I have been brought up in it. I've been brought up around it. I have experienced it in every way, shape, and form imaginable. My older brother is also very well educated in way of, of music 
and, and worship. He's a worship pastor out in the Austin area. He's actually worshipped with us before. So I don't say all this to talk about me. I just want you to know you're, ta- you're looking at somebody uh, who has a relatively good handle on what we're about to talk about this morning. But I also want to mention uh, several pastors and men in my life uh, who have taught different things and put out different resources uh, have been very influential. And one of them that it's duly well, uh, uh, that, that it's probably due to note this morning is Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in Dallas. He's a phenomenal teacher. Uh, but a lot of what you hear this morning, uh, he teaches and teaches at a very high level. Uh, so I just want to lay that out there that uh, I don't want anybody uh, thinking that all these things came through my brain. You know, my brain is a renewed mind, of course. I have the mind of Christ. Uh, but I want you to know we're constantly trying to find vessels that are full of oil and then bring that oil to you. We are focused on getting the Word of God to you so that it might be effective in your life and that you may benefit from its resources and see the hand and the Word of God move effectively in your life. Amen? The blessed test. Have you ever walked into a room, a classroom, And the teacher said, get your pen and paper out, it's time for the test. Now more often than I'd like to admit, when that happened in my life, the first thought or the first thing that I said was oftentimes, what test? We have a test today? She goes, yes. Or he said, yes. And I think, oh my goodness, a test, an unexpected test. I was not expecting this. And then I come to find out by my neighbors sitting around me that, uh, you know what, this test has been on the syllabus or on the schedule for the last three weeks. You just didn't pay any attention. And then I go, oh my goodness. So here's the scenario, the blessed test. You and I are put to the test every single time we are paid. Every single time God puts money in your possession, under your care and control, you are put to the test. And here's the scenario. The fact remains that the test is pass or fail. There's no 100, there's no zero. It's pass or fail. And the test is, who are you going to thank for what God has put in your hands? Or who are you going to worship with what God has blessed you with? The test is, are you going to do what God says to? Or are you not going to do what God says to? Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Which is to say, I'm God and I don't change. Now, here's the scenario. You need to be very thankful for the first part of this verse that he does not change. Because we oftentimes, as human beings, have the, have the tendency to change with the breeze. Our attitude of faith sometimes seems to fluctuate. Now, we're pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. But in our life, we go from A to Z on the scale of faith, on the scale of belief, on the scale of processes and other things. But God changes not. And what He's saying is, I don't change. That's why you kids are not dead yet. That's why the sons of Jacob are not consumed because I promised Abraham that I was going to bless him and make him the father of the multitude. I told Isaac I was going to do the same thing. I told Jacob I was going to do the same thing. So you, the sons of Jacob, are not consumed not because you didn't steer away from my principles but rather because I do not steer away from my principles. Can we see that? Next verse. 
Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Therefore, unto me, I will uh, return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, where shall we return? What have we done? And then the Bible continues to say, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Go back to verse 7. We look here and it says, my ordinances. Now, ordinances is an interesting word. It literally means something that is prescribed. So God is saying, you've gone away from the principles that I have prescribed in your life. And this is why you're, you're having so much uh, tra- uh, drama and change. And you can't, you can't understand everything. It's because you didn't take the medicine that I prescribed. If you go to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor says, you need to take this medicine and it'll make you feel better. And you take that medicine. You go put it on your counter at home. And you don't take any of those pills the whole time. And, and, and a week later, you're feeling worse. You got no business going to the doctor and having a problem with the doctor because the doctor prescribed for you the solution you just didn't take it so god said the prescription is that you got that that you need to tithe you need to return unto me that which i have blessed you with and put under your stewardship what you are in the care and control of the bible continues to say after he says you've robbed god have we robbed you and tithe and offer he said you are cursed verse 9 with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You have stolen from me, even this whole nation. You are cursed. The opposite of blessed. You are cursed. You are in a curse. Now, now, now here's the thing. Uh, God's not cursing you. He's not about that. This is a cursed world. And if you find yourself not following the prescription or the ordinance... He cannot redeem you from the cursed position that you're in in that moment. So what God is saying is, here's the deal. I've given you the prescription. Ordinance also means an ordinary thing to do. Something common. So for me, I'll give you an example. Uh, Every morning, every Sunday morning, I get up very early. I have a very specific routine that I like to do. Uh, I brush my teeth uh, 17 times on this side. No, I'm just kidding. Not that particular. But I have a chair that I like to put my shoes on. And I put my shoes, I keep my shoes, I keep my shoes, uh, some of my shoes in a box. Okay? Maybe you may think your pastor's weird after this, but, but I keep my shoes in a box. You know, the shoe box that they come in. And I go and I sit down in my chair and I put my shoes on. And the whole time I'm just in this attitude of prayer and I'm in this attitude of meditation. And I'm thinking through Ephesians chapter number 6 where it said, Have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. And I know I'm just looking at shoes, y'all. Don't get weird on me. But I'm sitting there and I'm doing the thing that is ordinary to me that I do over and over and over again. And when I get outside of that, that, it messes with my day. When I hear something break in the kitchen and one of the little ones, Fruit Loops and milk, is everywhere. It doesn't throw me, but I would prefer to go about my ordinance, if that makes sense. So God says, you've gone away from what's ordinary. You've gone away from the tithe, which was customary. It was instituted. Long before, we have examples of it, long before the law was ever instituted. And he said, you guys have gone away from it. And because you've gone away from it, you're not pulled out of the cursed world that you're in in the area of your finances. 
You're in the same place that you were before. You're in the same place now. Verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. That's the house of God. That's church. That there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that, not, that there shall not be room enough to receive. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord. And all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Now here's the deal. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. God. God, the creator of everything. The one who said, let there be light. The one who flung the devil, Lucifer, uh, from heaven uh, down to earth. And Jesus saw him fall as lightning from the sky, which happens very, very quickly. That God, the God of heaven and earth, the one who is and was and is to come, the one who sets the standard for everything, will for your sakes rebuke the devourer so that he does not consume what you have. This is what God will do. This is one of the promises that God does when we tithe. Now, another thing it says is your vine won't cast its fruit before it's time. Now, my wife and I, we used to have a beautiful peach tree. Beautiful peach tree. And, and, and one year, uh, the first year we had, that, uh, we had that house that had that mature peach tree, we had one peach on it. One. We were all excited and got one. So we stared at that peach and we planned on that peach. And when I tell you something, when we ate that one peach, it was amazing. Little bitty cobbler, though. But one year, we had and 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 we had a bumper crop of peaches. We had peaches like crazy, so much so that we didn't even know what it was. We thought something was wrong with the tree. We we had so many little little knots or buds on there early in the season. We we're like, man, something's wrong with the tree. And we're like, whoa, those are all peaches. So it, it, they started to grow and the limbs started to get too heavy and it began to break limbs off for all the fruit on it. I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Now I know why you're supposed to prune trees and stuff. I, I didn't know anything about it then. I got a little understanding of it now. But I was taking rope and I was tying the limbs up and everything. And uh, we also had an orange tree and we also had a, 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 a lime tree and a lemon tree. And, and we had a, a, a mixture of the two. We just called it a sprite tree. And it was, it was, just, it was, just, it was just a little orchard, you know, in our backyard. And, and the problem was the peaches and the oranges came in really early and we had a really late freeze. And every piece of fruit on every tree in our backyard was ruined and killed by the freeze. It's very important when your fruit comes in. See, with God, we pray oftentimes. We say, oh God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Just, just, just do it right now. Just, just overwhelm me with your favor. And God's sitting up there going, you're not ready. He knows when the vine ought to be filled with fruit. And He knows when it's too early. So you don't want your fruit coming early and a late freeze killing it. So many times in our life, we get to that place with God and we question why and when. But the interesting thing is with God, there's only three answers you get when you ask a question. Yes, no, or not yet. See, He knows when you're ready. He knows when it's time. The Bible says that all nations will call you blessed. Now, we're not trying to be haughty. We're not trying to elevate ourselves or anything else. 
but we want to be blessed. We want people to look at us and consider us salt of the earth. We want people to look at our life and say, I want what you have. That means I want to walk in divine health. I want to walk in overwhelming abundance. I want people looking at my life and saying, what's that thing in you so that I can then take a mirror and go, it's not me, and just point it right up to Jesus and say, it's what He's doing in me. All nations calling you blessed. See, that's the plan of God for your life, and it's the plan of God for my life. Number one, tithing is a test. Tithing is, in fact, a test in two directions. Tithing is a test for God because the Bible says that we should try Him in this, to prove Him in this, and see that He won't open the windows of heaven. That word proves an interesting word. It it literally is the word test, like to test gold for its its, uh, purity. Not to test like you're taking a test at school, but to test something and prove how pure it really is. Tithing is our opportunity to put God's Word to the test, and it's our opportunity to show God the purity of our heart. There's nothing like empowering God and His kingdom in your life personally. But it's one of the few places in the Bible where we get an opportunity to try Him. Here's the thing. Anytime you see the number 10 in the Bible, almost exclusively it's referencing a test. Let's do a little exercise. 400 jumping jacks. Just kidding. Let's do a little exercise, though. I'm going to ask a question, and I want everybody, if you don't mind, to just say the answer out loud. And if the person next to you doesn't say uh, the answer out loud, hit them with your elbow twice. Just kidding. Don't do that. Here's the question. Question number one in our exam this morning. How many plagues were there in Egypt before Pharaoh set the Israelites free? Very good. Put another way, how many times... Was Pharaoh's heart tested before he softened? Number two, how many commandments did Moses receive from God? How many virgins were there waiting on the bridegroom in the parable Jesus told about in Matthew 25? How many disciples did Jesus have? Whoa, wait a minute. I'm just kidding. There were 12 disciples. I just wanted to uh, remind you this is a test, only a test. We'll now return back to your regular scheduled programming. But anytime you see 10 in the Bible, it's representative of a test. Tithing is a test with only two choices. Give or steal. Give or steal. The reason God can say that is because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to Him. All the gold and silver belongs to Him. The Bible says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to God. He has simply made you and me stewards over what He has created. Meaning, He's put in our care and control certain portions uh, that we have the care and control over. Therefore, all He's asking for in my life and in your life is not for some, uh, 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 not for the 90% which He could require, and it would be completely lawful for Him to do that, but instead He just requires a 10%. He says, you return unto me the first portion and I will bless the rest of all the portion that you have. This is how God functions in the way of our giving. When we return to God, He will bless you. He will bless you. He will bless you. I have seen it. I began tithing at 12 years old. I had $2,000 in the bank approximately. It was actually a little over that. $2,000. 
I found out about tithing from a preacher who was talking. And I went home and I said, Daddy, what's he talking about? He said, he's talking about the tithe, son. I said, well, Daddy, I don't like wearing tithes. He said, no, 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 tithes, 10%. What's 10% mean, Daddy? If you have 100, you owe God 10. Oh, God? He said, yes. If you don't give it to him, it says you're stealing from him. Wait a minute, Pop. I've stolen from God. He goes, no, 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 you didn't know. But now you know, son. And the rest of the story is, if you'll do that, he will bless you. He will cause people to call you blessed. He will open the windows of heaven. He'll make sure, he talked to me like this, he'll make sure the devil never devours all of your money and all of your stuff. That's just the Bible. My family, my father and my mother just had the audacity to believe it and teach their children. So now, uh, uh, we see that God not only wants to bless us, but His empowering to do so oftentimes is in our court. And it says, if we do, He'll bless. If we don't, we're kept under the same curse that we were in whenever we were born into sin originally in this cursed world that we live in. So the reality is, is blessing and curse, blessed and curse, is really just consequences to actions. You say, whoa, 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 brother, I'm under grace. I, I don't believe in consequences. Well, let me, let me, just, let me just say like this. Uh, consequences are as real as they've ever been. They hadn't gone away and they're not going anywhere. You don't believe me? Go rob a bank. See if there's not some consequences. Say something ugly to Miss Loretta up here on the front row and see if there's not some consequences. We'll sick Brandon on you. He's our drummer. Consequences. Go pull somebody out of a burning building and see if their family doesn't want to bless you. The consequence of your action. Blessing and curse are consequences of what we do and don't do. Tithing existed thousands of years before the law. I've heard my whole life. Tithing is Old Testament. It's the law. It's all the Number one, Mount Sinai, there's ten commandments, and tithing is not one of them. Tithing has nothing to do with the law. Nothing. I can show you where tithing existed 2,500 years before the law. 500 years before the law, we see examples. 400 years before the law, we see examples. The law has nothing to do with tithe. Number two, tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. Genesis chapter 14, verse number 18. Uh, this is when uh, uh, Abram, who later becomes Abraham, this is when Abram uh, goes and, and he rescues his nephew Lot and he gets a whole bunch of uh, uh, spoils of war that just happened and he takes, his all, he takes all those things and he gives 10% to a guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek in Hebrews uh, chapter number 7 teaches us that he's, he's not just a man. He's actually a form and type of Christ. He has no beginning. He has no end. All we know is there is a witness and a testimony that he is in fact alive today. So Melchizedek is also a representative of Christ. So Genesis 14 verse number 18 says Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is king of peace, Ring a bell? Which is king of peace, brought forth bread and wine. Sound familiar? Sounds like the upper room. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave tithes of everything to Melchizedek. Now, I want you to point out, Melchizedek did not take the tithe from Abram. 
Genesis 28 and 22, this is right when Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob became Israel. This is right when Jacob has a vision and he sees uh, a ladder where angels are going up and down uh, from, from here to heaven. And he sleeps on a rock and he sees this thing and he wakes up the next morning and says, I tell you what, I'm going to make a, 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 an altar here and this is going to be a place uh, where we'll just call this God's house. And he says uh, in 28 and verse 22 says, And this stone which I set for a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you have, all that you give me, God, I will surely give the tenth unto you. That's 400 years before Moses received the law. Leviticus 27 and 30 says, All the tithes of the land, whether seed of the land or fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Holy. The tithe is holy. Holy means set apart. It is sacred. It is separate. It is separate from the other stuff that is in our care and control. The tithe is holy. It's the first part. Not the last part. It's the first part. Here's why. The first part requires faith. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 13 and 14 that they're sitting there speaking and, and they said, here's the deal. Anytime that an animal has a baby, the first uh, baby that that animal has needs to be given to God. That's the first fruit. That's the tithe in an animal scenario. The reason it's the first one and not the tenth one because the tenth one already had nine, but the first one takes, no, takes a lot of faith because you've got to believe he'll give you nine more. The tithe is the first. It's 10%. Deuteronomy 26 and 1 says, And it shall be when you are coming to, to the land which the Lord will give you for an inheritance and possess it and dwell, that there shall take of the first fruit, uh, first of all the fruit of the earth, which you shall bring to the land that the Lord God gives you, and you'll put it in a basket and go into the place uh, which the Lord God shall choose this place to be uh, for His name. There's a first fruit. Tithe is riddled through our Bible, and it shows God blessing His people that do it. Now, I know what you're thinking. All these scriptures, including Malachi chapter number 3 that we read earlier, are in the Old Testament, and we are now living under the New Testament. We're living under the law of grace. We're living where Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, and all things have been taken care of, and everything's fine, but everything I've talked up to now is Old Testament, correct? If Jesus said we ought to tithe, do you think we ought to tithe? Help me out. If Jesus said we ought to tithe, do you think we ought to tithe? Matthew 23 and 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, uh, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Most people stop right there and go, See, he said that, that, that tithe is not the weightier matters of the law. Weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus says this, These ought you to have done. You should do judgment, mercy, and faith. Definitely. But don't leave the other undone. Jesus said you ought to tithe. He's not saying that because he needs money. The last time that he thought, that anybody around him thought he needed money, he told uh, Peter to go fishing, and Peter went fishing and caught a fish, and Jesus had put some gold in that fish's mouth. Jesus is not uh, interested in finances. He uses gold for asphalt in heaven. He has uh, clams up there so big and oysters so big. They got pearls that, that, that you can cut open and make a gate out of. He, he's building you a mansion right now. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you this. He's the great light of that city, unlike uh, Bryan College Station that didn't have sun uh, for three weeks straight. He is the light of that city. We won't need a sun that goes up and goes down. He is the King of kings and the Lord of glory. Everything is at His disposal. 
Everything is at his fingertips. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is not any form of poor, weak, or stubborn. He's not needing your money. You need him involved in your finances. This is what God does. This is what he does for you and for me. But his principles must be followed in order to gain the consequences. And conversely, if you do not follow his principles, you have the consequences that are already laid out before you. That's why Jesus is not up there cursing you. He's actually wanting to pull you out of the curse. But the way you enable and empower him to do so is to release his hand in your life through the tithe. Number three, tithing is a blessing. If I went down the road, Everybody here uh, that tithe would say, you know what, I'm just so blessed, I can't deal with it. The Apostle Paul said it like this, you know what, I've had a lot, I've had a little, and I've just found myself to be content in all ways. My wife and I have had good times, we've had bad times, we're literally right now in one of the best times we've ever had financially in our life. Just God is just 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 doing it right now, and, and we're fired up about it, and we're praying about God. Where do we do with this this uh, this excess that you're bringing into our family? What do we do with it? Where do we put it? These are things that we pray about all the time. But the reality is, uh, we found ourselves content when we didn't. I remember not knowing some things and holding hands with my wife and praying. If we live in a ditch, we will live in a ditch with the Lord. One of the things that we did, and I'm not telling you to do it. I would encourage you to do it if you, if you would like to. Before we had enough money to make the decision that she be a stay-at-home mom, we made the decision that she be a stay-at-home mom. And again, if, you, if that's not for you, that's fine. But for us, it was a point of faith for us. We said, Lord, we believe that you will back our play. This is what we want to do. We wrote all the numbers down. It did not make sense, but listen to me. We have never begged bread. We've never been out on the street. We've always had all the things that we need. God has just performed His Word time and time again in our life. And the whole time, we're just tithing. We're just giving. We're just doing everything we can. Tithing is a blessing. Everything you see in front of you, the chair you're sitting in, somebody paid for. Now, obviously, we don't own these chairs, but we have to pay to be able to be in this building right now. So that we can gather and give people the opportunity and cast our net. Give people the opportunity to choose Christ. Some people spend their whole life going to church. Being saved. You're saved. Nobody's saying you're not. Being saved. Being moved by the worship. Being empowered by the fellowship and the relationships that you build in the house of God. house of God is where His people are, by the way. The relationships that are built... To be fed a healthy portion of God's Word minimum once a week. But they never pay the tab, if you will. If you go to a restaurant, would you go and eat the food and not pay the bill? The only reason I say this is to put it in crystal clear perspective. Crystal clear perspective on what God is saying that His plan is for His house and for His people. Because the crazy thing about God is He makes all things work together for good for them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So for you and for me, a lot of times we like to quote that Scripture when something bad happens. You know, we we hear words of uh, layoffs or something like that. And we quote that Scripture and that's a great time to quote it. But it's also a great time to quote it When you're doing something good. Because when you become a tither, 
Not only are you blessing the house of God, not only are you blessing the people of God, the kingdom of God, supernaturally God is then empowered and enabled to bless you. It's a supernatural thing. It, it supersedes the natural. <clears throat> That's what God is into. That's why He said, bring all your tithes to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Food, sustenance, things. Things that people need. Lights. When we sow into missionaries overseas, we have a missionary coming uh, in March that we sow into as a church all the time because of your faithfulness. That we sow into. That happens because somebody paid. So it's very important that we understand how much of a blessing <clears throat> tithing is. Second Chronicles 31, verse number 5, says this. As soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance, the first fruits of corn, wine, oil, honey, and the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen, of sheep, and of holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people, Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And the chief priests of the house answered and said, Since the people began to bring offerings into the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and have had plenty, for the Lord has blessed his people and that which is left is the great store. It's the leftovers. It's the abundance. So what happens is, is God's people begin to tithe. And the Bible said they began to tithe and bring and offer so much that they didn't have shelves for it, they didn't have storerooms for it, and they just had to begin to pile up all the things that God's people were bringing. And Hezekiah the king, being, I would assume, uh, doing a good kingly thing at this moment, goes, wait a minute, priest. He goes, all this stuff. He goes, how are the people doing? Wouldn't you be a little concerned if you just saw all this? You would go, are the people even doing okay? I would hate to think that the church has all this, the house of God has all this, and the people are over here living in squalor. And the priest goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. He said, since they began to give, since they began to tithe, God has blessed them so much. What you're seeing is just the overflow. You see, in your life and in my life, God can only bless what we open our hand and give to Him. Can I do one last illustration? Uh, bring me three guys up here. Uh, Leo, uh, Brandon, Seth. Come up here real quick. Come on, give them a hand as they come. These guys do a great job every week. Just stand right here, brother. That's perfect. Come on, come on, come on. Very good. Hmm. I don't know about this order. Anyway, you guys, uh, if you haven't met my wife, you should. She's beautiful. She's radiant. She loves the Lord. She loves your children. She loves me, which is even crazier. But she's amazing. <clears throat> Let's uh, just consider for a moment that I'm going on a very long trip. 
a business trip, if you will, which will in time benefit the family, but I'll be gone for a very long time. Now, I'm a good husband. If you don't believe me, you can just ask her. But I would want to take care of my wife, my bride. Does that make sense? Even when I'm away, I want to make sure my wife is taken care of. So here's my plan. I call my three friends here, and I use the word friend very loosely. I call my three friends here. I say, guys, I got to go away for a while. But what I need you to do is help me take care of my wife while I'm gone. Would you do that? Each one of them would say yes. We have Brandon, Seth, and Leo here. Each one of them would say yes. So, okay, here's my plan, guys. I need to make sure that my wife has meat in the house, has food. Her needs are supplied. She's taken care of. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send each one of you $10,000 a month. Brandon said he didn't want to cut and pay. $10,000 a month. I'm going to send each one of you. And what I need you to do is to take 10%. I need you to each take $1,000 and take it to my wife every month. Can you do that for me? If I'm going to bless you, if I'll give you $10,000, would you mind helping me take care of my wife while I'm somewhere else? Would you mind helping me take care of my bride while I'm somewhere else? I'm a good husband. I want to take, make sure my bride is taken care of. Can you help me do that? And each one of them down to a man would say, Oh, absolutely, I'll do that. Every month. 10000 to Brandon, 10000 to... Seth, 10,000 to Leo, month one, month two, month three. I call my wife. I say, hey, baby. She says, oh, Brian, I miss you so much. I said, well, I'm just calling to check on you. I miss you. Y'all tell her I said that. I miss you so much. So I miss you too, baby, but I, I just, I just, I want to make sure you're taken care of. I'm not there. Make sure you're taken care of. I want to make sure you have what you need in the house. Those guys I told you about that I was going to send it through, are they doing what I, what I, what I asked them to do? Because I'm a good husband. Take care of my wife, even when I'm not around. You know, it's never not on my mind to take care of my wife, by the way. My children, their safety, security, all those things. Husbands, there's nothing wrong with being chivalrous in your house. Build them up. Here's the thing. You have the greatest opportunity to tear them down. You can hurt them worse than anybody else can hurt them. But you can also build them up bigger than anybody else. That's what a man does. Side note. Anyways, so I just want to check on these guys I'm sending money to. Make sure it's getting to you. Yeah, 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 baby. Okay. Well, 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 I said, what about Brandon? Well, yeah, Brandon, he brings me $1,000 every month. $1,000 every month? I said, yeah. I said, boy. Good job. I said, what about Seth? I said, well, Seth's a little different. I said, I know. She said, he brings me 2000 a month. I said, whoa. Seth. What I'm talking about. When we get to Leo, I said, What about Leo? I said, Well, I don't know about old Leo. If 
First month, he brought me 700. 700? Yeah. Second month, he brought me 400. Really? Third month, I never saw him. Bro. You remember the parable of the talents? When Jesus said he gave them all talents. And there was one that didn't do anything with it. And he took from him and gave it to the others. Don't you think a good husband wanting to make sure that what I want taken to my wife, to my bride, don't you think I would take what I was given to Leo and I would distribute it between the two who are being obedient and I would probably hand it a little heavier to Seth than I would to Brandon because Seth is being even more faithful than what I'm asking him to do. Jesus said this, I'm the bridegroom. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will return again. But he calls the church his bride. Now, I'm just a man. But I'll do anything in my power to take care of my bride. Don't you think it would be very personal to me that I was sending it to Leo and he wasn't sending it to my bride? Maybe it's a little more personal with Jesus than we've ever thought before. You guys can sit down. Thank you. If you would, please close your eyes. And I just want to give you a forewarning. We're not about to take an offering or do something manipulative. That's not what this is about at all. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't need anything from anybody. This church is a very strong church. This message is not because the church is is in dire straits of any kind. We're stronger than we've ever been right this moment and looking for property. This message is for you. This message is simply put the word of the living God. And the reason I've asked you to close your eyes is because I'd like you to have the opportunity to have a private moment with the Lord. Most of you probably, I don't know, not in that part of it, are probably tithers already. And the Word of God spoken in and over your life right now does nothing but just encourage you further in the promises of God as we follow after His precepts. But some of you may have never understood the kingdom principle of tithing until right now. The number one reason people always give for not tithing is I can't afford to tithe. The truth of the matter is you cannot afford to tithe until you tithe. Because when you do you're redeemed from the curse. And the one who has been devouring your money 
gets rebuked by God. By God. Have you ever felt like, man, it just seems like it goes so fast. It's being devoured. This is a supernatural thing. It's not something that you can look at the X's and O's all the time. This is what the hand of God does. Now what we're going to do in just a moment, when we stand to our feet in just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you're in the building and you need prayer for anything to come up to the front, the front area there. We'll have prayer partners there. Many of you may be believing God for physical healing in your body, emotional healing in your body. Some of you may be pricked by this word and you just know you need to get right with God. You need to give your heart to Jesus either for the first time or for the last time. That's going to be the opportunity to do so. Let me further say, this is the place where more people are for you than any other place you'll be all week long. Everybody here believes in you. And everybody here believes in the Lord. The prayer partners have been believing God that this would be the day that you would reach out to Him and see Him begin to move in your family, your loved ones, your resources, your health, all these different things. If you need prayer for anything this morning, when we stand up, just come right down here to the front. One, two, three. Let's all stand up. Come on, right now. Come on, don't be embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about this morning. Just walk right up to one of these prayer partners and let them pray a prayer of faith over your life. 